Please keep your Bibles open there at Revelation 17 and 18. In medieval times, the church uh, represented a prosperous religion where for ordinary people, a sense of security came from investing in the church. It was a corrupt church. Uh, For ordinary people, there was little or no faith or engagement with one another. What was religion and what was the church was largely a financial transaction. And for those who worked for the church, those who uh, had religious jobs in the church, they had a fairly kind of sense of security and prosperity. Until the plain truth of the Bible was rediscovered. The grace of the gospel that came with what we know in history as the Reformation uh, turned the world upside down. As men and women started to uh, discover the plain truth of the gospel and as they started to pursue that truth, they knew what true relationship with God was all about. They knew about grace alone, they knew about faith alone, they knew about Christ alone. It was this week, uh, on Monday, where we celebrated, if you knew of it, Reformation Day, where we mark one particular event in the Reformation that happened 499 years ago. When that happened... When the Reformation happened and things turned all upside down, for men and women who were part of the church, who had a sense of security and prosperity, the more that they wanted to pursue the plain truth of the Gospel, the more that they were at odds with the official church. For men like Martin Luther or John Calvin or Zwingli, and many other men and women who we don't actually know their names, they ended up being evicted from the church. They lost the prosperity and security that their religious career gave them. But they would rather follow Jesus, be true to Him and be poor. In first century Roman Asia... Uh, the people to whom the book of Revelation is originally addressed. Around that time in history, prosperity and security was found in being aligned to the ways of the world. If you wanted to go against the world, if you wanted to rock the boat in politics, if you rocked the boat in the guilds and the unions and, and perhaps didn't participate in their religious feasts and festivals and worship the gods of the day, if you didn't participate in the cults that were round about, if you wanted to chart your own course and follow Jesus, prosperity and security would be taken away. Christians in the first century were marginalised and oppressed. They weren't allowed to participate in the business of the day. They would be kicked out of politics. They weren't allowed to hold positions of power or influence. Uh, The churches churches in uh, Revelation 2 and 3 that are addressed by the seven letters, the churches in there that are identified as being the ones that are most prosperous and secure are the ones who are loaded with self-confidence and self-reliance. 
the ones who are in conformity to the world, yet spiritually corrupt. Uh, The church in Laodicea, uh, we read about them in chapter 3, verse 17, where Jesus brings his assessment of this church. This was a church that was self-reliant, it was a church that was prosperous, it was a church that thought they had security in the world. Jesus says to them in chapter 3, verse 17, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and I do not need a thing. But here's Jesus' assessment, you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. Prosperity and security seems to come in being aligned with the ways of the world. Christians today, all round about the world, face a similar situation. I was listening to a radio interview last week uh, of the situation in Iraq and the particular trade in artefact, ancient artefacts and how as uh, ISIS is coming through that land, if you can steal an ancient artefact, ISIS will buy it from you who will then sell it on to museums around the world and make money for, uh, to profit terrorism. For Christians who are living in the midst of that, for Christian business owners who are seeking to make a a, a living for themselves and a sense of security, their values are compromised. They will need to conduct business in a way that conforms to ISIS values. We see it in the West as well. It's flared up in the media again in the last couple of weeks of uh, of the... the Christian business owners who refused to make a wedding cake for a gay wedding. And that has continued to be played out through the courts. We may well see in the future restrictions placed on businesses and organisations that want to support Christian values. A sense of prosperity and security will, become, will come in being aligned to the ways and the values of the world. Now, for Christians in this age, and when I say this age, it's in between the time of Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension through to when Jesus returns again. This is the age which the book of Revelation addresses. For Christians in this age, we need Revelation 17 and 18. These chapters give us a vision of the fall of Babylon a reversal of prosperity and security so that we might be equipped for trusting and obeying Jesus. Uh, Right through this series across these last two terms of this year, been helping us to see that Revelation, far more than being about the future and timelines and strange visions, is a warm pastoral letter to equip and encourage us to stick with Jesus in hard times. This particular vision does give us a vision of the future, but so that in the present we might stick with trusting and obeying Jesus. It's a vision of reversal. What was once prosperous and secure crumbles. It's taken away. Chapter 17 is a confronting image of a prostitute someone who is paid to be like a spouse for a fleeting moment of pleasure, but with no commitment. Have a look with me again, please, at verse 1 in chapter 17. 
One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, this is John, come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. The prostitute here and in verse 5, Babylon are put together, both being symbols of self-reliant opposition to God. And this chapter and the chapter after it gives us a picture of the world represented by political leaders and rulers and business leaders being caught up in a destructive relationship with this prostitute together in self-reliant opposition to God. Have a look with me at how heady a relationship it is that they have, the prostitute, Babylon and the world. So in chapter 17, verse 2, uh, there's the description of being intoxicated with the wine of her, indulter- her adulteries. In verse 6, described as drunk. In verse 7, she's described as riding the beast, the enemy, the devil. In verse 9, it talks of her controlling the kings and leaders of the world, those who we expect to be wise those who we expect can think for themselves, who are courageous leaders of others, what we see is that she's behind the scenes pulling their strings. Those who belong to her, those who follow her ways, will share in her prosperity and security. And Christians, those who follow Jesus, the slain lamb, will be oppressed, will be marginalised, will be penalised, will be persecuted. That is how it appears on earth in this age. But this vision that we get in chapter 17 and 18, this vision of eternity from the perspective of heaven, shows a very different reality from what we see as we look out on the world. This vision shows us a reversal of prosperity and security. Chapter 17, verse 1 talks of a punishment. Verses 8 and 11 11 tell us of the destruction that is going to come of the beast, of the enemy, of the devil, of those who are opposed to God. Verse 16 tells us of the beast and the prostitute and those who belong to her turning on one another. Let's have a look at it. Verse 16, the beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. A reversal. Moving into chapter 18, we start to see these refrains that say that things are going to change. Chapter 18, verse 2, with a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Over in verses 5 and 6, Her sins are piled up to heaven and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. There is this reversal, a payback because of what she has done to God's people. Another refrain in verse 10. Woe, woe, there's going to be terror, there's going to be torment, there's going to be doom. Verse 14 in chapter 18. Riches and splendour are going to vanish. Verses 16 and 17, woe, woe, 
ruin. Verse 19, woe, woe, O great city, where all who had ships on the sea became rich through her wealth in one hour. She has been brought to ruin. There is this great reversal of prosperity and security. And we can see in here the effect that this will have on those who experience this reversal. Chapter 18, verses 9 and 10. When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her. Verse 11. Those who experience this prosperous trade and cargo, when it all comes crashing down, verse 11, they will weep and mourn. Verse 15, the merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand far off, terrified at her torment. They will weep and mourn. Verse 19, there will be weep and mourning. You see, the fall of Babylon that we get in this vision is a dramatic reversal of prosperity and security that unveils for us reality. There was once a man who came to Jesus and he wanted wanted Jesus to arbitrate for him, to make a judgment for him, to settle a dispute about an inheritance, a prosperous inheritance. Jesus wouldn't rule on it. Instead, Jesus told a parable, a story. He said, once there was a man who was a farmer and he had a bumper crop, bigger than everybody round about him, bigger than he'd ever experienced before. He thought, great, I'm going to get ahead with this. I'm going to build bigger barns so that I can store up more and more and more from myself. I'm going to get ahead. I'm going to build up a nest egg for myself so that I can get an early retirement, so that I can then sit back and enjoy myself. And that is what he did. And then as Jesus told this story, he says, God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, then who will get what you have stored up for yourself. Reversal. Jesus tells us that prosperity and security in this world will be reversed. That while we might find prosperity and security in this world, in nest eggs, in money, in property, in investments... It's not the true place to find prosperity and security. Uh, One of my friends, a little while back, was in a legal battle over a very lucrative inheritance. He was in a fight with siblings, with other relatives, with other acquaintances who were known to the family, and it went on and on and on. It was nasty, it was awful... It was expensive. And while there was so much of this inheritance that he was entitled to legally, in the end he gave it up. He turned away from it. He saw how much as the years wore on, he was tempted to find his new security in the prosperity 
that could have come to him through this inheritance. It was tempting him to trust in that more than trust in Jesus. And so he walked away. He gave it up. Revelation 17 and 18 give us a sobering perspective on prosperity and security. That it's not in what the world has to offer. And so in the vision of chapter 18, we are called out of the world to know the prosperity and security that God offers. Have a look with me please in chapter 18 verse 4. Chapter 18 verse 4. John says, Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Come out of her, my people. Now, throughout biblical history of God's dealing with his people, he is constantly calling his people out of the world. Way back in the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, when God's people were enslaved in Egypt, they originally went into Egypt out of God's provision and God's blessing. But then God, as they went in, became slaves, God was calling them and leading his people out of Egypt to a promised land of prosperity and security with him. God was calling his people out of the world to him. At the time of Isaiah and Jeremiah, uh, Babylon was a superpower of prosperity and security. For a time, God's people went into Babylon in exile as, as punishment for their rebellion against God. But at the right time, God called them out, called them out of Babylon, called them out of the world to find prosperity and security in Him. So in Isaiah 48 verse 20, God says, leave Babylon, flee from the Babylonians. In Jeremiah 51 6, it says, flee from Babylon, run for your lives, do not be destroyed because of her sins. Jeremiah 51.45, come out of her, my people, run for your lives, run from the fierce anger of the Lord. In all of God's dealings with his people, he is calling his people out of the world to find prosperity and security with him. Today, for us, Jesus' death and resurrection calls us out of the world and into the reality of the new heavens and the new earth into a place of enduring prosperity and security. We get a taste of this in this vision in chapter 17 and 18. In chapter 17 verse 14, we see that true and lasting victory is with Jesus the Lamb. They will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them because He is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings and with Him will be His called, chosen and faithful followers. We see in chapter 18 verse 20 that those who are left as the ones who are rejoicing are those who belong to Jesus. And in chapter 19, we're going to just get a foretaste of where we're headed to next Sunday. We get this rousing praise in heaven because of the reversal. 
Have a look with me, please. Chapter 19, verse 1. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are His judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of His servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne and they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. It then takes us into the last few chapters of Revelation which expand on the prosperous reality of the new heavens and the new earth that come with Jesus' return. You and I need to see Babylon fall and hear the call to come out of her, out of the world, so that we might follow Jesus the Lamb to true prosperity and security. Now with this perspective, with this perspective on prosperity and security, as we are active now for the future of the church, as we are active for the gospel, as we're working hard in the local church, as we engage with politics, as we, uh, as we engage with politics to uh, guard religious freedoms, uh, as we uh, work in our jobs and our responsibilities, as we're active, as we're working, with this perspective that Revelation 17 and 18 gives us, as much as we are active... We'll be calm and constant in prayer. With this perspective on prosperity and security, as we enjoy the experiences of the world, as we enjoy some of the luxuries of travel and of holidays, with this perspective that Revelation gives us on prosperity and security, as much as we enjoy those things, we'll keep giving ourselves generously and sacrificially to the gospel and to the poor, giving of our money and our time. With this perspective on prosperity and security, as we seek to earn money, as we build up our finances, as we provide for our family, as much as we keep earning and building up with this perspective, we'll keep investing the best of our time and energy in discipling our children, reading the Bible with them, praying with them, helping them to understand the world with Jesus on the throne and the future He has promised. We will do that as much as we are investing in their future. This perspective that Revelation gives us on prosperity and security, and of its reversal, changes and reshapes how we live now. Uh, several years back, I met a man who used to work uh, for the government uh, in his country, Iran. Uh, when he became a Christian... His life changed overnight. He lost his job. His parents and his siblings deserted him. It was one of his brothers that actually alerted the authorities to the fact that he had become a Christian. The authorities would kill him 
because of the position he held and because he had become a Christian. And so he fled the country. In fleeing the country, he lost everything. He lost every bit of prosperity and security that he had. He lost his house. He lost his money. He lost contact with his extended family. He lost his friends. He lost his job. He lost everything except for his wife and his 12-year-old daughter who had also become a Christian. He had to leave quickly. He escaped to Europe where he had a Christian uncle. And from there he arranged for his wife and daughter to escape as well and to eventually meet up with him in Australia via Japan. It took a couple of years but he eventually arrived in Australia. His wife and daughter weren't here. They should have made it about 12 months earlier than he did. He, he contacted Japan they weren't there. He made inquiries back home at risk of his safety. His wife and daughter could not be found. Bit by bit he told me his story as we sat in his unit in Liverpool. And then he said to me in broken English, I lost my friends, I lost my house, I lost my money, I lost my job, I lost my wife, I lost my daughter. I have lost everything. He appeared as a poor and broken man. He looks older than he really is. He works a couple of days each week moving furniture. He looks like a poor and broken man, but inside he is not broken and poor. Etched into his heart and mind are etched the words that he showed me in, on a very worn page of his Bible. It was circled in pen from Matthew chapter 19. Though he said, I have lost all these things, I have lost everything, I still have this. In Matthew 19, he had circled these words that are etched in his heart and mind. I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. May the heavenly perspective that he knows on prosperity and security shape our perspective too.